Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. We have a very special episode for you today because Miss Kidders is taking the mic. She's taking the stand. She's going to testify. I'm going to testify about this episode. But quickly, CrimeCon is coming up. And I think there's still tickets. Use our code DATE. We're very excited. I'm going to be wearing a make shirt probably the whole time because he's going to be there. And you're kissing up? Yeah, obviously. Okay, great. Yeah. Cool. Duh. So if I wear a True Crime Garage shirt, that's no. It's no, bad. You're going to kiss it's up to another podcast? Cross-branding. It's Oh, bad. I like that. No, that might work. They might do a promo sh- swap with us. That could work. I don't Should know I have them. one that says I heart Bob Ruff? Is Bob Ruff going coming? He should be. I think so. He just posted a thirst trap on Instagram because he's working out now, and I'm going to be commenting something funny. Maybe you should DM that privately <laughs> or send it to me before you post it. <laughs> no. I, geez, I like to tease him. Yeah, that is very funny, though, because he does have a lot of people that love him. Yeah. Yeah. Fireman. He, he was a firefighter. Yeah. That's what it comes with the territory. He's ready for it. Okay, we're talking about the opposite of fire today, though. We're talking about snow, as yep. in secrets in the secrets in the snow. It is season 21, episode two, first aired on October 5th, 2012. Secrets. Secrets in the snow. All right, so we start Secrets in the Snow with Lester, giving an unbelievable amount of information that I'm going to tell you right now. Skip it. If you watch this episode, please skip the beginning part with Lester because he gives away way too much. It's about a minute and a half. Also, Mm. he's not wearing a vest. He's not even wearing a jacket. He's wearing a tie, a button down. He's also walking through what appears to be the NBC set. He's walking from off to the side into center stage and we see Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. I guess. And then we see We get teased with a jacket. It's sitting over on a chair behind him. But no vest. The jacket that clearly goes with his suit. Yeah. Were they trying to do a casual vibe? Well, at one point, he leans on a stool, like almost puts his butt on the stool, but is kind of doing a lean with his arms crossed. It's super cash with just the tie on. I'm sorry, he's doing a It's like I'm after work and we're having drinks at happy hour, long day of work. Like he's like unbuttoning his like... Collar. It's very casual. Sir, there is a murder. I expect to see a vest. I expect to see at least a jacket, if yeah. not a vest. You are not just hold. a white shirt and a tie. You have interviewed presidents. Okay. So maybe this is just, I've interviewed presidents. Keith is going to take it from here. Yeah. And Keith is always dressed down. Yeah, that's true. So there you go. I don't know why he gives out so much information in this beginning part, but it's a lot. So we're going to start past Lester with Keith Morrison, who is our host this episode. He's also being a lean king. We have multiple leans. I'm sure you spotted them. On a bridge. Oh, yeah. Two on a bridge. Two different outfits. It's great. Keith Morrison is telling us, it was cold the night it happened. So very cold. A night to be inside by a fireplace tucked under a quilt. Not outside of the frigid door. Not way up here. 9,000 feet up in the Colorado mountains. Snow thick already that late November night. With the wind chill 24 below. Wow. He really paints a picture of a cozy Huga scene. Remember Huga? 
What's Huga again? It's cozy in like Norwegian. Oh, that's right. It's the concept of being content and cozy. Yeah, I like that. Hmm. Walking out into the brutal cold. And more to that point, what happened to her, this middle-class mother of three? Where did she go without a word to him or her friends? I hope he'll tell us. We don't know. And then we have other people cutting in, and so it cuts up his monologue. So I'm very grumpy about it, but it's fine. And then he ends with, And events about to prove a shocking lesson on what can dwell hidden beneath a person's public skin. I didn't like beneath a person's public skin. I felt like he was channeling Buffalo Bill. It was creepy. I don't like it. Don't talk about someone underneath someone's skin. Yeah, it got under my skin the way he said that. I just didn't understand public skin and private skin. So public skin is like Secrets. what your neck secret. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And then private skin is like the bottom of your feet and your elsewhere. private areas, your buttocks Maybe so. skin. Maybe so. But it was a beautiful. It was beautiful. This is all set in Colorado against just snowy, gorgeous winter wonderland. Yeah. Stephanie Roller Bruner and Dale Bruner met on top of one such snowy mountain. Keith tells us that Dale was a professional photographer. He was taking pictures and selling the pictures of skier that, skiers that were coming to the mountain. There's some pretty good action shots in there, I thought. Yeah, but then Keith totally shades oh, the person. Oh, no, he shades him twice right now. <laughs> Keith says at this point, Well, a person has to make a living. After we see pictures that Dale has taken, action shots of him. Beautiful. Yeah. Not all of us can talk about murder for a living, Keith. Check your privilege. Right off the bat, we can tell that Keith is not a Dale fan. I think so. This is our new segment that I brought up a few weeks ago. What does our host think? And he's telling us kind of right off the bat. Right off the bat and then again. So now we have... Keith telling us he loves to take wildlife photographs. And so we see some pictures of like, I don't know, mountains, desert, animals, a big buffalo. And Dale tells Keith, and people always ask me, you know, why don't you make money this way? Why don't you make more money? Why don't you sell photos? And his answer to those people is, I just tell them, well, buffalo don't carry credit cards. And he laughs at his own joke. And he sort of (laughs) smiles. And Keith just moves on through it. He completely shakes it off and goes, anyways, it was up there. (laughs) Well, anyway, that's his way of saying I didn't find that joke funny. It's not funny. It's a terrible joke. I don't even know what it's supposed to mean. Also, we're confused because do you or do you not make a living selling pictures? Because Keith just said, well, he has to make a living somehow. And so... You can still sell your wildlife photos. Are you just so saying? I you think only he's saying he makes them. more money from taking the photographs of the tourists because okay. they have the money. But his heart, his passion, is not little Tanya on the bunny slope. His passion is the buffalo, the mighty buffalo. The mighty buffalo doesn't carry credit cards. And also, how do you know they don't carry credit cards? You don't Rude. know anything about buffalo credit. They could have a little pocket like a kangaroo. Have we you seen the, the beard? It just sticks up Google under there. Pay. We don't know. Black Amex. You don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's just the way that Keith completely brushes him off. They Twice. literally pause the camera on it where he kind of chuckles at his joke. And then they cut away and Keith goes, 
Anyways, <laughs> it is like a verbal groan almost. He might as well have gone, <laughs> like, He doesn't like a dad joke. No, he does not. He likes a clever pun. Yeah. But not a dad joke. I respect that about him. Yeah, me too. I feel the same way. So anyways, Keith is taking us away from Dale and his dad jokes. It's he and Stephanie met on the mountain by way of a dad joke. Funnily enough, she was up there doing some sort of mountainous surveying, environmental surveying of some kind. And he skis up to her and says, hey, what are you doing? Writing parking tickets? Anyone in your life could you see doing that? Bob. Bob. Bob, we see you, you. Bob. Anyways, she smiles at him. She thought it was sweet, but things moved very, very quickly for the couple. They moved in together. They eloped in Fiji. And we meet now one of Stephanie's very close friends. I think it's her best friend. And this is Jennifer. And she says it was just like Stephanie to do something like that. So Stephanie is impulsive and adventurous, is our guess, right? Mm -hmm. There we go. So Stephanie... Stephanie and Dale make their home in Silverthorne, Colorado, where Dale actually did have a pretty big photography thing going. He had at one point 25 different photographers working under him. So he, yeah, Keith, it's no slouch, Keith. He made a decent living and Stephanie got a job in environmental planning. Then they had three beautiful children together. And we see all these pictures of them, candid shots on vacation as a happy family. We definitely see the family portrait on the beach because they're all wearing color-coordinated outfits. Yes, one of the children is wearing a beret. Oh, I L- missed A little that. baby in a beret. Okay, a baby in a beret, I'm cool. Are you? Baby Jacques? Maybe. Maybe. Would you rather have a baby in a beret or an adult in a beret? I don't know, but I've been going through all the family photos because we're trying to get my parents out of their house, and it is... So much matching denim, but no berets, not a single photo with a beret. So I was happy. Regardless, they show all these pictures of them having a wonderful time doing all the family things. But this is when we find out that Stephanie has her first secret. It's not a secret, but it is a side hobby. And she is a dancer. Dancer. She dances. She dances on the stage. She She is. Dance all night. She's a ballroom dancer and we get to see a lot of home video VHS footage of I don't know if it's a competition or a recital but we're getting a lot of it is she Um, human or is she dancer she's a dancer yeah she is the dancer in Mm -hmm. the home video Mm -hmm. it's beautiful honestly she's good it's amazing to watch she does a bunch of those big swing flips like you know when they spin you around and your legs go in the air I don't know what that's called a spin yeah I've done those we did swing dancing oh that's cool and we did the one where you go, your arms, your elbows are on the guy's shoulder and your legs are up in the air. That is amazing. It's so cute. We also meet Bill, who is an old ballroom dancing buddy of Stephanie. And she does make a joke on one home video about, well, Bill knows how to flamenco. What does that mean? What, you, does what that does that mean? What is that? Does that mean Bill gets around? I don't know. Is a flamenco a sexy dance? Oh, for sure. Oh, there you go. Okay. Caliente. I was surprised they showed us that clip. I was like, wow. Okay. Then we get to see her tap dancing. We get just all kinds of different dancing. She loved it. And we go back to her best friend, Jennifer, who I guess was also a ballroom dancer because her and Stephanie at one point opened a dance studio together. And now we get some sort of saxophone music, which I've never heard in a dateline before. It's sensual. Mm -hmm. 
Did you hear it? it No. Because Keith tells us, but it was dance that led off the whole cascade. I don't know. Is cascade the right word? We use a dance term here. It's a cascade of secrets. But is a cascade something in dance? No. It is like tumbling. It's like a buildup of... Like snow, for example. No, I know that, but I was wondering if it was also a dance step. No, I don't think so. He He could have said the whole eight count. Yeah, he could have said we jetted into pirouette of secrets. Into our second position of Uh (laughs) secrets. There we go. Anyways, it was a cascade of trouble in the fall of 2010. There is an annual fundraiser that happens in their town called Dancing with the Mountain Stars. It's nothing if not original. And so... (laughs) You can guess it's like Dancing with the Stars, but with local bigwigs. My mom's school did Dancing with the Teachers, and after several years, she won first place. I'll bet she did. In her 70s. With all her aerobic experience, that Mm -hmm. tracks. That makes total sense to me. So in Dancing with the Mountain Stars, it was all the local bigwigs, and Keith makes a very funny comment about the lead-footed businessman, Mm. which was cute. But... Dale didn't make it one year, the last year, to Dancing with the Mountain Stars. Dale had to photograph a wedding. And if he had been there, maybe he would have gotten the chance to see his wife fall madly in love with one of those lead-footed businessmen. She fueted right into the arms of a lead-footed businessman. There we go. The lead-footed businessman's name is Ron Holthouse. He's pretty good looking. Is he? Yeah, I think so. Okay. He was a local physical therapist who unfortunately was also married. So Ron and Stephanie really clicked. They met. They fell in love. Jennifer, the friend, says that she was saying she had found her soulmate. Hmm. That's not great. Remember, they're both married. But it was in the middle of October on a Wednesday that things started to pile up, as Keith tells us, like snow. Stephanie (laughs) goes into work one morning And that happens to be the day the county lays off 20 people and she lost her job. And since that day, things started to tumble, cascade, whatever, culminating on the week of Thanksgiving, a cold, dark night nearby in a town close by, someone had robbed a bank. It's random information. You need to remember it for later. Kind of, but not really. Sort of. It's a rare thing. I'm assuming they're pointing it to it because we need to know it. Also, Joni was in a bank robbery. She was. Joni's jo- been held up at gunpoint three times. Gosh. She has a lot of adventures. She has so many stories. Life. But the thing I want to say about Bill is as he's describing this no Who's good, Bill? terrible, awful day. I'm sorry, Dale. As he's describing this no good, terrible, awful day that she had where mm-hmm. everyone at her job got fired, including her. He's smiling. He has this perma smirk on his face, like the dad on Welcome to Plathville. And it's very off-putting to me. He does have a perma smile the whole time. I don't. I think that's just his face, but he should get that in check because people just lost their jobs. Well, and he just lost his wife. Yeah, there's a lot he of things smiles happening. when he talks about that too. Yeah, there's things happening. So there was a bank robber. Don't worry about it. But in Silverthorne, in Dale and Stephanie's house, Stephanie said she wanted to take a walk that night to clear her head. This is in the middle of the night. Dale's still in bed, and Stephanie never comes back. In the morning, Stephanie is still not back. So Dale decides to call the police department to report her missing, and we meet Veronica, who had taken the call. 
Normally, I would not like Veronica, but I liked Veronica a lot. Because it's a I random wish, interview. I wish she'd had more time. Yeah. She also got B-roll. Yeah, she did. Yeah, She usually, sure did. Yeah. When the first responder slash 911 operator gets B-roll, it's like a big, exciting thing. She was great. I like her. I could see being friends with her. Oh, there's going to be like a booth or something, an ex- exhibit at CrimeCon where you can try being a 911 operator and like practice because remember you wanted to do that once i do i do that was going to be one of katie's professions and because she's very good under pressure and so i think they set up a scenario with fake phone calls or something and you get to practice i'm very excited about that yeah do they make you give directions to the location do you have to say left and right that could be the issue i didn't say that i'm more worried that it's going to be north south Mm. No, because I feel like with GPS now, you probably shouldn't have to. Do you know how to do north, south, east, west? No, of course not. Lots of people do. I mean, I could look up at the sun. I'd have to think about it. I could figure it out eventually, but not on the spot. You know how to do military time? (laughs) No. Well, yeah, but I'd have to think about it. Right. I'd have to count on my fingers probably. These are just things that I feel like some people have grown up with, like their dad knew it really well. And so it's sort of bred into them. I don't No. These things take a minute. So Dale is on the phone with Veronica and Dale's giving way too much information. He's saying, well, I got the kids up. I got them ready for school. He's telling all this to Veronica. We don't need to know this. We don't need to know about the kids. Also, you did all that before you called to report her missing? Yes, he did. He took them to school. He got them up. That's like Lori Vallow going to Burger King to get breakfast for her son. It is a little bit like that. What we need to know is what Dateline tells us, which is her car is still in the driveway. So is her phone in the house? Nobody tells us that. Is her purse there? Did she go for a walk with her purse? Because that means she's going somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. She's going to the Wawa or whatever. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows. Or her boyfriend's house. Yeah. So I don't think they have Wawa in in Colorado. He said he called her cell phone and it went straight to voicemail. They have Wawa in Florida, though, by the way. Oh, really? Yes, girl. We're going. We can go with crime crime? I looked it up already. So I also looked for a Bucky's. So Veronica is a great 911 dispatcher because she calls Stephanie's best friend, Jennifer, to find out if she knew where she was. Now, that's somebody going the extra mile. I like Mm -hmm. that. Good for her. Police start looking hospitals, any place that she could be. The friends are scouring the neighborhood. Everybody's looking for her because, as Keith tells us, a night turns into a day, then two, then three. So she's really missing at this so point. So time passes. Thank time, you, Time is passing. We do actually get B-roll of a sun setting, mm. which is helpful. And Keith tells us some private secrets were about to become very public indeed. <laughs> They're teasing out the secrets in this episode quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So we already know one secret. What are the other secrets? We know she's having an affair with someone she thinks is her soulmate. Let's keep going with the secrets. So, of course, it's very strange that Stephanie would go for an all-night walk in the bitter cold, even though things were bad at home since she had lost her job. She had actually, according to Dale, asked him about six weeks earlier, hey, why don't we take a little family holiday? Okay. This is told a little out of order, but we find... It's yeah. kind of important. Dale said that the trip was almost romantic. They went on this little weekend trip to a place they used to go. And when they come back from this little family outing, she hits him with, I want a divorce. Okay. And he is smiling. And she says yeah, to him, 
It's not that I don't love you. It's just that I think I've met my soulmate again. Soulmate keeps coming up in this episode. The big buzzword is soulmate. And all soulmate makes me think about is my love affair with something that goes on the soles of my feet. And that's my Bombus. My Bombus is my soulmate. Correct. Can it be yours too? Can we Literal share soulmates? soulmate. Yes, sister ma'am. wives? Are we sister wives? We are with Bombus. Bombus is way better than Cody, by the way. Without question. It's fall. It's layering season. Keith has long layers in his hair now, so he gets it. Those older episodes, he has this flowing locks. He Layer does. your whole body with Bombus this fall. Did you know? Socks. Tees, underwear are the three most requested items in homeless shelters. And when you buy yours from Bombas, you're giving to someone in need because when you buy one, they give one. Also, Bombas has a 100% happiness guarantee. Maybe that's why Dale is smiling so much because he's wearing Bombas underwear. And that's what that secret smile is about. His life is shattered. I wouldn't be surprised. But he has Bombas on his feet. There you go. If you get a hole in your sock or it gets eaten by the dog, and your dog had expensive surgery to remove the sock. Get pet insurance. Get pet insurance. Bombus will make it right. That's incredible. Hole in my sock. They're going to take care of it. The fall collection is so cozy, aka huga, which is a quality of coziness and comfortability that engenders a feeling of contentment or well-being. I'm going to give you a giant warm bear hug. And that's what Huga is. Uh, and Bombas is Huga personified because they use extra soft cotton and merino wool. Feels like you're walking on pillows on your feet. And the underwear is so soft. It has no tags. There's nothing that's itching you. The shirt hangs perfectly. Again, no tags. I'm wearing the underwear right now. If I was wearing socks, they would be Bombas. It's magical. I don't know how they do it, but it's comfort. It's just pure comfort. Whether you're going on a hike in your moisture-wicking hiking socks or curling up on the sofa with some tea as you watch a British murder show, that's Huga. Also, treat your kids to some new Bombas items for the school year. Make them the most popular kids at school. And the most comfortable. And the most comfortable. Bombas makes the best gifts and they send it in a gift box. Yeah. Go to bombas.com slash date dateline and use code date dateline for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash date dateline. 20% off your first purchase. We love Bombas. Bombas, 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 Bombas. Ahuga. <laughs> Thank you, Bombas. Thank you so much, Bombas. I just went on a really quick two-night trip, and the only socks that I packed were my Bombas cushion no-shows because they're so comfortable, and I know they're not going to slide around. Mm -hmm. They are the best. Mm -hmm. You know what I also did, though? I left my large travel makeup bag at home, which don't laugh at me. I have a very intense makeup packing. It's like a whole extra suitcase. It's a kit, and it (laughs) looks as though I might be doing other people's makeup. When I'm going on a trip. But this time, I decided to pack my small makeup bag, which is about as big as my hand. I tried really hard to pare it down. That's impressive. I tend to pack options, which is ridiculous because it's just my face. What I really needed were things that worked and things that would withstand humidity. The one thing that I knew I had to pack was my Thrive Infinity Waterproof Eyeliner. Yes. Woo, woo, woo. It is amazing. It is waterproof and smudge-proof 
all day wear because they have semi-permanent micropigments, TM, by the way, and it keeps your eyeliner on all day long. It's an allergy-tested formula that is ophthalmologist and dermatologist tested and approved to be non-irritating even if you have sensitive skin, which for me is a win. They also have bold and classic neutral shades that complement every eye color and every skin tone. I have almost used up my favorite shade, Ella, which is a dark brown. Also, by the way, they give you pro tips on thrivecosmetics.com. If you're curious, they told me to dot the eyeliner between your upper eyelashes and then you work the color into your lash line with that little smudgy end on the infinity waterproof eyeliner and it makes you look like you have fuller lashes. Oh, that's a good tip. I know. I thought it was great. And remember, all Thrive Cosmetics are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free and they're all made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. No parabens, no sulfates, no phthalates. And they do this all without compromising performance. And speaking of performance, Thrive is a good performer on this planet. Cause is in their name for a reason. Cosmetics. As part of their mission, every purchase supports organizations that help communities thrive, such as those battling domestic abuse, homelessness, cancer, and more. So go and try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash date dateline. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash date dateline for 20% off your first order. I have my eye on Thrive. Thank you so much, Thrive. Thank you, Thrive. We appreciate you. And your smudge-proof eyeliner. Yeah. More than you'll ever know. No, we couldn't express. So when they come back from vacation and Stephanie asks for a divorce, Dale decides that he's going to call Stephanie's brother, her sister, her mom. He's going to try to figure out what is going on here. And that's kind of poor form, I think. It's weird. Like you call the person's mom, can you talk to her and tell her not to divorce me? It's not great. Stephanie's sister, Ramona, who we get an interview with, tells us she was like, what are you thinking? Why are you calling me trying to get me on your side about my own sister? But by the end of the phone call, she was thinking more along the lines of, Stephanie, what are you doing? Why are you divorcing him? That's weird. I don't yeah, like that like he was able convinced. to. It's very manipulative. I don't like that. What's interesting is we keep hearing this relationship being described between Stephanie and the other man, Ron, as being this big love affair, and but love in actually the term love. It's this very emotional, connected, I don't know how to say it, soulmate is, I guess, the good word for it, because they don't have a super sexual affair. That's not what we're hearing from friends. No. We're hearing true love, basically. So... She tells Dale when she tells him that they need to get a divorce, she says, look, I have to follow my heart. This is an emotional connection to this man. That's worse. I know. It's not great. And Dale says, well, if this is what you want, I guess this is what you want, which I feel like that's not how that conversation went, but that's what he tells Keith. He's making, yeah, exactly. Absolutely You're exactly right, yeah. 
So Dale keeps the house. They're going to share custody of the children. And she moves out and rents a condo. And the week before she disappears, Dale actually helps her move into the condo. And Keith asks the question that everyone is thinking right now, (laughs) which is, why in heaven's name did you do that? Yeah. And Dale says, well, isn't that what you do? I mean, I still loved her. I didn't fall out of love with her. He's Um, like, I'll drive you to the airport. I'll watch your dog. I will do your laundry for you. Just stay with me. No, I immediately thought he was going to put cameras in the new condo. (gasps) I thought he was going to bug it. Yeah, that's diabolical. Keep tabs. Because it's weird for him to, I don't know. I think he likes to control. So the more he's around, the more he gets to control. There are definitely divorced. He can see if the boyfriend is hanging around. Right. And there are definitely divorced couples that stay friends. But this was not that relationship. This is someone actively wanting out and someone wanting to stay in the marriage. Mm-hmm. If this was a, just a dissolving of a marriage into friendship, that would make sense. But this doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. This is not that. Regardless, Dale says in the middle of her first night in her new apartment, he hears something downstairs and all of a sudden Stephanie crawls into bed with him in their house. She says she's made a horrible mistake and she wants to move back in. You know what? No regrets. you got to stick with your decision. No, this is Dale's story. We don't know. I don't know anything about all this. Yeah, that's true. Because she two days later. She felt lonely at that condo without him and the kids. Changed her mind. Women maybe. go back a lot. Breaking up with someone, to quote Jerry Seinfeld, is like a Coke machine. Pushing over a Coke machine. Got to rock it back and forth a few times. Oh, that is true. Bef- I think I've said that before in the podcast. But two days later, after this snuggling into bed, she is missing. So something's mm. gone horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Police pull in Ron Holthouse, the other man, to question him. Ron admits to police that they did have a romantic relationship, but he actually says they never slept together. They never had sex, which kind of is exactly what Stephanie's been saying to all of her friends. I just didn't believe it. And now I don't know whether to believe it or not. They just did that like we look into each other's eyes. That's our romance. And that is as close as two humans could possibly get. It's one of those kind of things. Like, we don't need to have sex is just sex. Our souls are having sex when we look at each other. Where'd you go, boo? It's very creepy. I don't like it. Just have sex. No. I ate too much to have this conversation. (laughs) I don't like this. Was it the souls having sex that did it for you? Or was it the where'd you go, boo? Where did I lose you? All of it. You (laughs) lost me at the beginning. Until the end. I'm upset. Okay. Anyways, doesn't matter. Because according what Ron tells the police in the interrogation is that he actually ended their love affair the night she moved into her condo. Which he said, is I will not up. have sex with your soul anymore. That's messed up. She does all... You know how hard it is to rent? Do you remember? You probably... You've been in your place forever. But I know you remember the foils of renting an apartment. Oh, yeah. And It's moving? awful. Yeah. So she moves into a condo and has to explain to her children why mommy's moving out and you dump her? You that monster. Night, That's, that is you the needed definition to do of that a terrible, no good, moved. all bad, horrible day. You needed to do that before she moved. Yeah. The end. It's like okay. having someone fly across the country to see you and then you break up with them. Like, just do it on the phone before they like fly fish. Yeah, exactly. Before they destroy oh. their whole life. Oh, boy. So he breaks it off with her and says, look... I'm going to try to make things work with my wife. We're moving to Florida. That's going to make it worse, Ron. Don't do that. No offense to Florida. Enjoy your new condo. So the police ask Ron, do you have any reason to believe that anything bad may have happened to Stephanie? And he says, that would be my worst fear. We're watching police footage 
And the way that he says that, I kind of believe him. Do you kind of believe him? I totally believed the way he said that. I agree completely. And we're only seeing the the footage from the interrogation room. We're not close up on his face or anything. But it was like he should teach classes on how to be interrogated because he did a good job. I know. So Thanksgiving comes and goes. Stephanie still isn't found. The police department need to call in reinforcements. So they called the Colorado Bureau of Investigations and we meet Greg Sadar, who is the lead agent on the case. And he talks to Keith about finding Stephanie's body in the river. It's the Blue River where they are. He saw what appeared to be like a mound of snow. The river's sort of shallow, babbling, lots of rocks and not Mm -hmm. a lot of water. And her body was under this mound of snow in the river. Mm. It's really, really sad. Keith and Greg Sadar are on the bridge over the Blue River where she was found. And this is going to be our first Keith leaning Mm -hmm. is here when he's talking to Greg. We find out at this point that Stephanie was found nude except for a tie-dye shirt. We also find out that she was found very close to her actual house with Dale, 350 yards away. That's very close. Very close. And she didn't walk outside almost nude. In the snow. No. And we find out that she totally didn't later when we get to the medical examiner. So the police notify the family of finding Stephanie's body. Everyone's unbelievably upset. Dale says he went into convulsions. So Dale was the most upset. <laughs> if you were keeping track. Sorry. That's rude. But it is kind of like that word felt weird. Yeah, it did. It, it, oh, I wrote it down. And for sure it stood out. Yeah. Because it must have rung untrue. Because something seemed off. Keith is leaning and talking to Greg on the bridge. They talk about potentially what could have happened that night. And Keith suggests what if they were fighting on the bridge and possibly she went over. In the struggle, she went over the top. Because this bridge was actually one of the places where Dale had told police that Stephanie liked to go and walk. So maybe she was clearing her head, walking on the bridge. In freezing temperature. In a tie-dye shirt. If she wasn't attacked... Another theory was that perhaps she tried to kill herself. She went over the edge and hit her head on a rock. And he looks at Greg Sadar and he goes, so a puzzle. And he's leaning. (laughs) Did you see that? That was a great moment. He's like, so that's why we're having a dateline. Because Mm -hmm. we don't know what happened. And your job as detective. Is to solve the puzzle. Is to figure it out. Yeah, that's the puzzle. Yeah. But they do figure it out quickly that it's probably not an attacker and suicide is definitely ruled out because the autopsy reveals all. So the autopsy results come back in and we find out that there were no wounds on the soles of her feet. So exactly what you said, she could not have walked these 350 yards in the freezing snow. She would have at least scratches or sores on the bottom Mm -hmm. of her feet. The autopsy also reveals that she had a blow to the back of her head and that she had been strangled. Mm. Unfortunately, she was still alive after both of those things and was thrown into the freezing water because the cause of, I know, it's really awful. The cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head, but really hypothermia and drowning, Mm. which is just beyond tragic and so sad for this family. Mm -hmm. I would not want to know this information. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. No one deserves that. So this is clearly now going to be a murder investigation. And it was actually the first murder investigation in Silverthorne in decades, we find out. And so I'm very glad that this Colorado Bureau of Investigation guy came on board. He sounds very, yeah, he's on it. He, he's definitely on it. And Keith seems to like him, not Dale, but he likes Greg. So Keith at this point also reminds us 
that there had been a bank robbery. <laughs> it <laughs> it you find out that that was a random mention, it came back around. But maybe that was the attacker on the bridge. If there was an attack on the bridge, maybe the bank robber was running across with his bags of money. No, but it wasn't the same day as the bank robbery. Kimberly. He's just around town, this hoodlum. So still carrying his bags of money. Right. With like a big the dollar sign on it. Right. With like a bandit mask. Uh-huh. uh-huh. He assaulted her, killed her, threw her over into the water. But then so the he was just hanging that- out on the bridge in the snow, hoping to attack someone, or he was hiding from the cops with his money, and she stumbled across him in the snow. No, he has Maybe money. He-, he can afford to rent a room somewhere. He just robbed a bank. He's on the run, though. And they say assailant dressed as Hamburglar, and he's <laughs> just too recognizable. Assailant has tattooed bandit mask over uh-huh. his eyes. Mm-hmm. That would be just a full tattoo like a raccoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, has a distinct raccoon marking. Appears <laughs> to be a tattoo. You can use that drive eyeliner that yes, stays. Right. It's permanent. No, it would come off. It does come off. That semi-permanent technology is not for nefarious purposes. You calm down. Everyone calm down. Apologies. But of course, the question is asked, this is below zero temperature, below zero. Assailant is is hanging out on a bridge waiting to hurt someone because they would assume no one would be out. Yeah. It's not happening. So Agent Sadar tells us that he had three viable suspects. Not one of them includes the bank robber. Yeah. Of course. He knows better. His three viable suspects are going to be Ron. Remember, Ron is married. So Ron's wife, Cindy, and of course, Stephanie's husband, Dale. And then we get Keith explaining our subject's motives, leaning on the bridge over the Blue River in a new outfit. He's in Uh a leather jacket at this point and jeans, and he's got his arms crossed lean. Yeah. He looks like he's in Greece, like Grease Lightning. It's an epic lean, which I'm sure that our friend at Keith Leans on Things has this one, but Mm -hmm. just in case it is. Yeah, I'll send it to her. So Ron, the other man, is called in for questioning multiple times. He admitted to police even that he had seen her in the hours before she went missing. That night, a few hours before she walked out into the snow, they had a meeting in a clothing store parking lot. What is the clothing store? I was killing me and it's too dark to see on my phone. I couldn't see. Montgomery Ward? Maybe. They didn't want us to know the name of the clothing store. I bet which, it's a local store because it's a small town. I bet it's not a So they didn't want chain. you to know? They did not yeah. want the advertising. Yeah. Stores unhappy being on Dateline. Mm-hmm. That store in the dark. So they met at the parking lot of the clothing store and he was trying to tell her it's over. This really is over. Apparently they have to meet in person because he tried to break up with her in an email. He had sent her a breakup email, which is absolutely horrendous. She insists, of course, I need to see you in person. They meet in the clothing store parking lot. So he has not moved to Florida yet. He is. Sent her an email after she broke up her family and rented a condo and moved into it. He tried to break up with her in person that night, but that didn't work. So then he did the email thing. Is that what happened? I think so. I think he's tried several. Again, it's like rocking a Coke machine back and forth. I think this is a multiple conversation breakup for sure. But I can see her hanging on too because she really uprooted her life. Again, Seinfeld, it's like launching a missile. Both of you have to turn your key. Can't just have one person turn your key. You both have to turn your key at the same time. Seinfeld has the most- Someone's going to turn the key for you. Oh, Dateline. When Seinfeld meets Dateline. That's when Dateline happens. Yeah. So 
She is having a very hard time with it, though. She was the one that didn't want to let the relationship go. So the police call in Cindy, Ron's wife. Oh, boy. Yeah. Sadar tells us it would not be unusual for the wife to go to an extreme length to remove the temptation from her husband's life. But you're already moving to Florida. You know he's breaking up with her, right? But she still thinks that she would be too much of a temptation walking around on this earth. That's what Sadar says. If you're going to go with the Cindy motive. Right. What's Cindy's motive? Yeah. I what mean, did we've you seen think it of on Cindy? Dateline before, but usually it's like teenagers pulling that. Did you have any issue with Cindy? Yeah, Cindy does not seem that nice of a person, but she doesn't seem to be giving a lot of grace to the woman who was sleeping with her husband. But I guess that is her right. She can go full on light fire to his clothes. That's fine. Do what you got to do, Cindy. Yeah, she was mad. Set fire to the snow. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, Ron and Cindy both have alibis for that night. Also, unfortunately, the alibis are each other. Yeah. They were sleeping in bed next to each other and didn't go out. I don't know. That's not a great alibi. No, but we believed Ron in his interrogation. I'm not sure about Cindy, though. Did we believe Ron? We did when he said that would be my worst case scenario. That would be my biggest fear. Are you questioning Ron now that his alibi is bad? No. I still, I felt so strongly in my belief in that one sentence he uttered. His performance was mind-blowing. So it's enough to carry me through his shady alibi, but that doesn't mean I don't not trust the wife. Understood. So for a month, detectives go back and forth between Ron and Cindy and Dale. Now, Dale is advised by a friend, hey, you need to get a lawyer. Good friend. Yeah. Very good friend. We see Ron walking and there's a bunch of like paparazzi cameras trying to take pictures of him and ask him, hey, did you kill your wife? Yeah, because it's a small town and there's it's only been one murder. So it's famous. Apparently so. And we know in an investigation like this, as secrets are going to come out. Keith keeps teasing this. He's got to stop it. <laughs> this is the mousetrap all over again. Yeah. We hear one secret now that's kind of odd, but not odd if you think about the timeline that we knew before. I'm going to explain. About six weeks before Stephanie was murdered, remember six weeks before was also when she lost her job. Mm-hmm. Her friend Jennifer is telling us that Stephanie calls her. It's early in the morning and Stephanie is at home and hears like seven or eight spanks. Not the underwear that you wear to smooth out your underwear lines. Not control top. No. Spankings. Let your rolls fly free, ladies. Or men. So Stephanie is running down the hall as she hears this spanking towards the sound of it. And Dale tells Keith, you know, my boy was acting out far more than normal that morning. But Stephanie... I didn't like that. My boy was acting out. Yet whatever was happening, Stephanie was concerned enough to run, which means that you don't normally spank your children, do you, Dale? Because she was alarmed by the sound, which Mm -hmm. means that this wasn't a common occurrence in your house is what that tells me an amateur detective. Whatever was happening, she was concerned enough to run in and stop it, right? Mm -hmm. Stephanie's really upset but has to go to work and goes to work and that's the day that she gets fired. Why does she keep having these days where everything goes bad? I don't know. So goes to work, gets laid off, and that same day, later after she gets fired, she decides to file a restraining order against Dale with a judge. I didn't know what was going on here. That's one of the secrets. Apparently. So this is all very, very fast. She goes to the judge, asks for the restraining order, but very strangely asks him, hey, can you postpone this, though? 
So instead of the restraining order taking effect that day, the day the spanking happened, the restraining order is going to go into effect in several weeks so that they could go on that little family vacation that he had talked about when they went away for the weekend and then they came back and divorced. Yeah, that happened after she filed a restraining order. So strange. But didn't tell him about it, just said, hey, can you have it take effect this week so I can go on this family vacation? That's wild, right? It is, but there's so much that happens in like families with abuse that a lot of it doesn't make sense. That That is From the outside, you look and you're like, that's so dumb. Why did this happen? But when you're in it, maybe it made sense to her. Well, and my thought is, if she's worried about her own safety, canceling that trip and doing all that would just may- maybe make him mad. That's Absolutely. what I'm, yeah. It's very dangerous for a woman to file a restraining order. Oh, yeah. So. But she should. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Of course I'll take not. my advice. Okay. So they go away that weekend. And then when they come home, she does indeed tell him, I want a divorce. But what he doesn't tell us earlier in the episode is that she also tells him when they come back from this trip, by the way, I filed a restraining order on you. You need to get out of here because the sheriff is a coming. Mm, I hope they said a coming. And so I wrote a coming. So I'm yeah, thinking it's Colorado. they did. I don't know so, if they talk like <laughs> The sheriff is a coming. <laughs> I could see it. Yeah. If they're in the mountains, maybe. Sure. We're going to hear from the Coloradans. Again, more sort of strange behavior. He gets out, but 10 days later, they go back to the courthouse and they dismiss the restraining order. They rescind it. 10 days after she tells him, I have a restraining order and it goes into effect, they go back and rescind it. I think that probably happens a lot. I think that happens all the time. They ask the judge to halt it. And we do get a recording of Dale at the hearing to halt the restraining order. And he's saying, I'll never, ever spank again. I can't see his face, so I don't know if he's smiling or not. He's probably smirking. Probably. I've learned my lesson, blah, blah, blah. We also hear from Bill, Stephanie's old ballroom dancing partner at this time, who says, look, she wanted to leave Dale. Rescinding the restraining order wasn't about that. She wanted a divorce. She wanted to leave him. The restraining order she thought was going too far. Okay. Regardless, they sign regular divorce papers after this. They do what people divorcing do. They look like a couple who is divorcing just without a restraining order in place. Dale helps Stephanie move into her condo that night, like he said he did. Ron breaks up with her. I don't want to see you anymore. Then two days later, she's been murdered. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of some serious criminal conduct. (gasps) Criminal conduct, if you didn't know, is an investigative true crime podcast hosted by John Taylor and Javier Leva. Each season of Criminal Conduct covers a new case. The latest season is about a possible murder, but this is not your typical true crime story. In fact, the podcast starts where the story ends. Oh, those are the best kind. Mm -hmm. A college student dies and a suspect is charged and convicted on first degree felony murder. But instead of facing decades in prison, a judge throws out the jury's verdict and lets the convicted killer go free. Wow. I'm going to need to hear more about that. If you like in-depth investigative podcasts, you'll love Criminal Conduct. John Taylor is a former Secret Service agent. That's so cool. I know. And private investigator, P.I. And Javier Leva is an investigative reporter who also hosts the Pretend podcast. Huge fan. Yeah, which is a true crime podcast about con artists, by the way. 
It's so good. We are internet friends with Javier. I won't mm-hmm. say like we're best friends. He's friends with Melissa from Moms and Mysteries and very cool. I don't know John, but he sounds super cool too. And this is top-notch podcasting. So subscribe and listen to all nine episodes of Criminal Conduct Season 4 wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, the theme song is fire. Mm-hmm. If you're not dancing, there's something wrong with you. Oh, maybe your feet hurt. Well, you could dance in your seat. You could dance in your brain. I was dancing. If you're not brain dancing. I've listened to this podcast before and I literally dance every time. Theme song gets me every time. There you go. Yeah. Kimberly, while you are listening to Criminal Conduct, is there a home-cooked meal you could cook in, say, the 40 minutes it takes to finish an episode? Oh, my gosh. You could make two meals in that time. How are you doing that? With HelloFresh. There we go. HelloFresh is perfect for the parents out there. I'm sure you have back-to-school shopping and planning to do. You're probably writing on a giant whiteboard calendar in the kitchen as we speak, and it says, like, Timmy has T-ball. Penelope has race car driving. I don't know kids' activities. But you are too busy to plan all these meals. And kids eat a lot. Kids are just, what are they? Velociraptors, T-Rex. Yeah. They just just shove the Tiny little arms. Just Yeah. They're just growing and shoving food. Let HelloFresh take care of it. They can get your groceries for you. They get the snacks. They get the breakfast, get the desserts, get the lunches. And they can do it all besides drive your kids to their javelin lessons. Again, I don't know what kids do nowadays. They have lunches for kids that are like kid charcuterie boards with veggies and fruit, pita chips and cheese and a dessert like waffle sticks. Like... How cool is that? And it takes just minutes to set up for your kids. You're going to be like the cool parent. There you go. And you still want to have family dinners together because I've heard that that's good for families. HelloFresh has 40 chef-crafted dinner recipes to choose from every week. They have family-friendly, fit and wholesome, vegetarian, pescatarian, whatever. They have you covered. HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping. And it's so easy because they send you the pre-portioned ingredients with the recipe. It rained here in LA for like 20 minutes. And that was my (laughs) cue. It's time to switch to fall foods, which means... Warm foods. It's not quite soup time, but it's getting there. So this was perfect. Soup-esque. Soup-esque. I made a ricotta and tomato ravioli in garlic cream with zucchini and toasted buttery panko. It's my new favorite. That's fall. That's fall. And it took 20 minutes to make. Whoa. So incredible. They send you just the ingredients you need. One lemon, two scallions, one teaspoon garlic powder, a fourth a cup of panko. So instead like of buying that. the huge thing of panko or the huge bunch of scallions, they send you exactly what you need. You're saving money. You don't have all this food waste. Go to HelloFresh. Come on, guys. It's the HelloFreshiest. They're America's number one meal kit for a reason. We love them. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Dateline and use code 50Dateline for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Ooh. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Dateline, use code 50Dateline, and you get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Ooh. Thank you, HelloFresh. We adore you. Do something good for your tummy and say hello to Fresh. Yeah. Thank you, HelloFresh. So all three people involved in Stephanie's life have a very clear motive, Cindy, Ron, and Dale. Mm -hmm. But as Agent Sadar is looking into all of this, it becomes really clear that the person with the most 
odd circumstances surrounding her murder would definitely be Dale, the husband, or recent ex-husband, I guess, if they signed divorce papers. I don't think they did yet. So it's really odd that she went out in the middle of the night and he doesn't report her missing until the morning. That's weird. Mm -hmm. He waited 10 hours knowing how cold it was and was just like, oh, no, she's probably fine. Yeah, Didn't even check with- to see her car wasn't gone. Does Ron live across the street? No. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way it would make sense. Yeah. It's also odd how close her body is to the house. Unless, of course, Ron also lives on that street. Right. Are they next door neighbors? Which is it Ron? I think Ron's name should be Chip. And then it would be Chip and Dale. Chip and, and she Dale. And choose betwixt them. Yeah. She's chose. It's Chip. It's yeah, Ron. it's Chip. Yeah, she chose. So from Dale's house, he really could have very easily carried her to the place where her body was found. Mm-hmm. One of the interviews that took place with Dale, I guess, is at some sort of restaurant, and they have a recording of it, which is always funny when we have the <laughs> Olive Garden recordings or whatever. <laughs> I think in this case, they're in a Cracker Barrel. And Agent Sadar says that Dale was incredibly questioning. He says probative, but I'm not going to use that word because it doesn't sound like something I'd say. I want (laughs) to say words like probative, but he I can't say it. He has lots of questions. He wants to know all about the autopsy. He wants to know how the investigation is going. Lots of details. And this throws up a lot of red flags. And then they get a search warrant for Dale's house. And the house, which was completely cluttered at the time that she went missing, all of a sudden is completely spotless. But it's weird because there's also zero trace of Stephanie having lived there. No. Not one picture of her on the wall. She's a mother of three. The kids aren't going to be messed up enough by this. You're like taking away the photos like she never existed. Yeah, don't do that. That's really, really odd. Not one? Okay. Anyways. Also, when he first called the police, when he said she went missing, he had told the police that they had had an argument and she went out into the snow to clear her head. Later, he takes all that back and says, no, 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 no. There was no argument. That's not good. Changing Mm -hmm. story is very not good. So they start to focus in the investigation onto Dale. Social services comes in and takes the children from the house. I don't know why that happens we're not given any detail on that must really have been under suspicion yeah dale tells keith it's like i'm fighting mike tyson with no gloves and then he laughs laughs. what is that i don't get jail's dale's jokes maybe in that recording in the restaurant he said i'm a little wigged out why are you trying to sound cool dale it's not working he said wigged out yeah i'm a little wigged out did he say i'm a little winter wigged out no (laughs) that's a shame tm Anyways, I don't get the analogy. I don't know what he's trying to do. I also didn't hear Keith laugh when he makes the Mike Tyson Keith joke, doesn't laugh so. at any of his jokes. No, Keith does not like him. No, they never show Keith's reaction. Like normally they show Keith's reaction and he does a chuckle, but he's not amused. No, he's not. So Dale, the family and friends do report, though, that Dale seemed to be actually grieving after it found out that she was murdered. He's really upset at the house, I guess. Bill, who was Stephanie's ballroom dancing friend, even moved in there for a few months afterwards to, I, I don't know, just be a person in the house, I guess. Just do the flamenco, cheer everybody up. Probably. I mean, I get that. You wouldn't want him there alone, especially if his kids were taken quickly. Yeah, that would be very upsetting. But Bill says that Dale actually was able to look him in the eye and say, I didn't do it. I didn't kill her. So yeah, a lot of killers are able to do that, Bill. It's just a lot of people saying that he really seemed to be grieving. It's a big act to keep up. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. So he's really professing his innocence. But it doesn't matter because nine months after Stephanie's body is found in the summer of 2011, Dale is arrested. He was charged with second degree murder in Stephanie's death. He pleads not guilty. He posts bond and he's immediately offered a plea deal, which he turns down. Because according to Dale, innocent people don't plea. Mm. It depends. We just had that kid, that Patreon. So I don't know. She plead and she says she's innocent. And I think she might be innocent. Mm -hmm. She did the Alfred plea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Dale hires Robert Bernhardt as his trial attorney. And Robert tells Keith, can you get me a towel? Because it's really hot in here. He needs to take his jacket off. He needs to take it off, right? Yeah. If Lester can have no jacket, Robert, you can also have no jacket. It's the dead of summer. Lester set the tone. We know that it's hot. I feel I felt bad for him. He tells Keith that it's the worst bit of police investigating that he's ever seen. Wow. He thinks that the police made up their mind the day that Stephanie disappeared that it was Dale. Well, usually it is the husband. Yeah, it almost always is the husband. And Dale says the police didn't seem to want to believe that we were having good conversations that night. We were talking about the future of our relationship. He also says, look, my nine-year-old daughter at the time walked into the room when we were laying on top of the bed cuddling. I don't know why he has to make the distinction that they were on top of the bed. They were having sex with each other's souls. Stop it. I think he he didn't want it to seem like he scandalized the daughter. So it was like we were on top of our bed, fully Over dressed, the covers. Yeah. holding hands, staring into each other's eyes, talking about the future. Yeah, it no was one very does that. No, no one's doing that. This becomes very important in trial in a minute. As to the point of why he didn't call until morning, why he didn't report her missing right away, Attorney Robert says, well, why would he call the police and report her missing? She probably went to her boyfriend's. Okay, here's the problem with that, lawyer Robert. Without her car? He li- Ron lives three houses down. We've decided. <laughs> That's the only way Ron that makes sense. Ron lives a short... Was a bike missing from the garage? Was a, was, do you <laughs> have a snowmobile? Snow. Do you have snowshoes? Is there a snowmobile? Okay. Was an Uber? Did Uber come? No. Okay. This is before Uber. Here's why lawyer Robert's argument does not work. If they are sitting on the bed looking into each other's eyes above the covers with clothes on, talking about their future, not arguing, why is she going to her boyfriend's in the middle of the night? Right. He also just broke up with her. Yeah. Unless there's an actual argument, it doesn't make sense. And you say there is no argument. There was no argument. But first you said there was an argument. Right. But he's changed that since. Yeah. Latest is that there is no argument. There's also the fact that he did not join in the search party for Stephanie after she was missing. He says the police actually told him to stay at home if she did come home that someone would be there. That's not true. I don't know. Maybe they did say that. Anybody can stay at the house. You just need a, a human yeah. at the house to then call and say, hey, she's here. She just walked in. Do you know what I'm saying? You can yeah. have any friend or family there. Yeah. Have her sister stay at the house. Yeah. I don't buy that. So Dale and his attorney are ready for what they say is a completely circumstantial case. There's no evidence, no direct evidence that Dale killed Stephanie. The defense team is going to rely heavily on the fact that the police did not go after the boyfriend and his wife hard enough. And we do get to see some trial footage. Part of the trial footage is Cindy, Ron's wife, who says on the stand that that when police came and knocked on her door to ask her if she knew where Stephanie was when she was missing, she said, No, I don't know where she is, and I hope she rots in hell. Cindy. And she's crying on the stand, and she says, I'm really, really sorry I said that. Cindy. 
And I believe her like I believed her husband about the, I hope she's okay or whatever. I would feel horrible if something yeah, happened to her. I'm sure I've thought worse of people who didn't even steal my husband. But she is really sorry. Cindy is sorry. It shows some good humanity, I thought. I liked it. They also know that the prosecution is going to go real heavy against the restraining order that Stephanie had filed against Dale. And Dale says to Keith, look, I think she built herself a fake little world, which really gets under my skin. Look, Mm -hmm. this is all surrounding the chaos of the affair, losing her job, blah, blah, blah. And Dale says, she built this little world where I was the bad guy. And so it totally just, it bugs me, that sentence. It's, It's gaslighting and it's very easy to gaslight someone who's not there to defend themselves. Because yeah. they are not with us anymore. It also like kind of, I don't know, it invalidates her feelings and her yeah. bad days. I don't like it. It's not a good look. So they say, well, if she was really worried about Dale becoming violent, why would she p- postpone the restraining order until after their holiday? Which apparently the judge had said he'd never seen someone do that. Yeah. And then also, why would she go and dismiss it so quickly? Okay. Again, exactly what you said which is you don't know what actually is going on inside a house or how threatened someone feels. They're small children. Yeah. All of the children are young. Yeah. And then as to the house being stripped of all of its things, it was actually the friends and family that were over during that time that we heard about that had completely cleaned out the house because one day he came out of the walk-in closet, saw her clothes and started crying. And so they just swept the house of everything. I don't Uh... think that's true. They left, they didn't leave even one of those family photos with the beret and the matching clothes on the beach. They didn't leave any photos of her. Because it's not for the children. Yeah. Did they take the children's photos out too? Yeah, that's weird. It's a little odd. It's a lot odd. They also tell us that it was two weeks after she was killed. All that stuff went out of the house because that's when the search warrant was. Yeah. That's too soon. I don't know. I don't want to judge someone. Everybody grieves on their own, but. Two weeks for something that sudden? Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's yeah. odd. So the defense team goes after Agent Sadar also on the stand and they say, you don't have any direct evidence against Dale, do you? And they say, no, we don't have any direct ev- evidence of physical abuse or that he murdered her. But Keith does not let Dale off quite so easy. Keith says there's one question that hung over the defense table like a cloud. And Keith kind of goes in on him a little bit. He does it twice during this episode. Once is a little bit earlier and once is right now. Earlier, he brings up that this is a very intimate killing. You hit her on the back of the head and you put your hands around her throat and he does sort of motions. Does that make sense? Do you know Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about? He gesticulates. Yeah. And strangulation and hitting her on the head, these are very personal crimes. And Keith said, like something a husband would do. And Dale says, or like a boyfriend. He doesn't say it like that. Sorry. He goes, or a boyfriend. And Keith says... Yes, well, like a boyfriend. Keith is over it. Yeah. He's like, okay, fine. Touche. He doesn't say touche, but the vibe was touche. Yeah. And then he flat out also asks, we know you love your wife very much. In that moment of extreme rage, when when she said she was leaving you, you killed her. Keith does it like a statement. He doesn't even ask it. He just states it. Mm -hmm. And Dale says, no, with tears in his eyes. No, that did not happen. So he's staring at Keith right in his eyes with tears in his eyes. I don't know what's going on. Do you? No, but I still think he did it. Okay. So it's time for the prosecution. 
the prosecution has an uphill battle because there is no direct evidence like we know. But the prosecution needs to tell a story of what happened that night. And they start telling the story by using the daughter who walked into their her parents' bedroom that night. Remember, Dale said that they were above the sheets with clothes on, staring at each other, talking about the future. That's not what the little girl says. The little girl on the stand is 10 at the time she testifies. She was nine when she walked into her parents' room. It was nine o'clock at night. She heard her parents arguing, mm. not cuddling. No. And goes into the room. No. They okay. were not having sex with each other's souls. Then Stephanie goes outside for a walk to clear her head, but the temperatures are, again, well below freezing. It's ice cold. When it was below freezing here, I never felt anything like that. It happened this Christmas. It was, yeah, your face just felt like it was frozen mm-hmm. the minute you stepped outside. It was yeah. colder here than it ever was when I was in Pennsylvania. It was weird. There's no way that that happened no. in a t-shirt. No. He waits eight to 10 hours to call the police. All of this is what happened actually on that 24-hour period where they think she died. But the prosecution also needs to show how troubled their marriage actually was and that Stephanie was afraid of Dale before this. They do this by calling a bunch of character witnesses. They call one of her friends who describes the spanking incident because she had talked to Stephanie all about it. The prosecution asks, did she feel fear? Was Stephanie afraid? She goes, yes, yes, she did. She did express fear of Dale. She said he just sees red. He gets so mad and just goes into a red zone. Oh, boy. And he doesn't even know what he does when he gets like that. So he's not in control of his actions, basically. This friend said that Stephanie was actually afraid to get the restraining order against Dale because he had already threatened to harm or kill her. And she says this on the stand. Then Jennifer, the friend, gets on the stand and describes that same threatening incident where he threatened to kill or harm her. We should say trigger warning DV. Yeah, trigger warning domestic violence. She says that he had her up against a wall like in an arm bar. And then there was another time of physical abuse where he did something while she was pregnant. Keith says, how often would things like this happen? And Jennifer says, well, you know, maybe two or three. I mean, it doesn't matter. It no, doesn't matter if it once happened once enough. because these are the only incidents that were actually talked about. So right. how many happened that weren't talked about? We know what Keith is getting at. Then they call a friend of Dale's to the stand. And this is a woman named Leah who says his reaction when he found out Stephanie was cheating on him was he just wanted her dead. Mm. He wanted her to die in a car accident, have a heart attack. He just wanted her gone off the planet. Yeah, I bet he wasn't. Or maybe he was smirking then. Maybe. I mean, it's pretty bad. That's his friend that's saying that. It's his friend. And now we get one very important witness, which is Dale's ex-girlfriend, Jody. Keith sits down with Jody. And Jody testifies that 20 years ago, when they, when her and Dale lived together, when they were together, he hadn't come home for dinner one night. He was supposed to be home. He hadn't come home. They get in an argument about it when he gets home. He just starts yelling and yelling and gets uber mad. He pushes her down on the floor, put his hands around her neck and said, if you ever say or do that again, I'll kill you. Mm -mm. She said he had a look on his face like she had never seen. And even though this is a long time ago and the defense is going to say this is 20 years ago, the prosecution is still able to show a pattern here 
that Dale is somebody who is apt to become overcome by rage. And as Keith says, his MO was to go for the throat. So this is good witnesses. Mm hmm. And actually, we find out that Stephanie had been strangled with such force that it had broken a bone in her neck. Jeez. If this isn't enough, the prosecution then reveals its bombshell, which is a recording of Stephanie herself at the hearing where she was getting a restraining order against Dale. And it is very hard to listen to. She says, he has threatened my life years ago, but, you know, with a hand on my throat didn't squeeze it, screaming in my face, I will kill you if you leave. I don't know if I can talk to him about it and say, can you leave or can you get help? And I just think that would go really bad. So I'm here asking for help. And I know I'm going to end up getting a divorce because there's no way I can go back. It's horrible. It's so scary. Heartbreaking. And Keith tells us it was like Jennifer was testifying from beyond the grave, and it absolutely was. And of course, we know, and an expert testifies to at trial, that the most dangerous time for a woman is when she is leaving or when she is left. Absolutely. So the prosecution thinks they know what set Dale off that night or what made him see red. They find an unfinished email that Stephanie was in the middle of writing to Ron, Mm -hmm. the other man who had just broken up with her. Now, Dale denies that he knew she was writing this email, but the email is basically begging Ron for another chance, another meeting, one more chance to just talk it out. She wants to have her say. She loves him and she doesn't want him to leave. I get why Cindy is so mad. Cindy's mad. <laughs> yeah, Cindy's like, he said no. He said no. No means no. We're moving to Florida. That's so how desperate we are to get away from you. The prosecution thinks that that's when Dale hit her over the head with something. He strangles her, thinks that she's dead. She's just unconscious, unfortunately. And then he dumps her body in the river. The jury is out for only four hours. Yeah. They come back with a guilty verdict for second degree murder. He is also convicted of two counts of sexual assault, which I have some questions about. Yeah, they don't elaborate on that. They do not, which I'm thinking is maybe out of respect for the victim. Yeah, maybe. Okay. But he is sentenced to 112 years in prison. So how does he have so much B-roll in the state line? We'll find out. An appeals court later overturns the sexual assault convictions. And in 2018, his sentence actually gets reduced to 48 years. So about half the time. It'll still be life. It'll still be life. Like eating well, a lot maybe. Of I don't know if he's, greens in prison or something. I don't know if he's up for parole because it's second degree. It's not first degree. I don't know. Oh. So friend Jennifer was driving when the verdict came in, pulls her car over and just cries. She says she also wishes she had taken the secrets that her friend told her more seriously, which, of course, I mean, mm -hmm. it's a really hard regret to have. Right. Yeah. And she said she wanted to come on and talk about this as a warning. And she says, hopefully just one woman watching, one woman watching would be able to stand up and say, I'm experiencing abuse. And if that woman can find the strength to stand up and be bold. It's hard to give advice to someone, yeah, who's in that position. But it's you really the, in the friend position. But I'm sure she blames herself. But she's saying maybe just us talking about having this conversation. I think will so too. Save one person's life. Absolutely. And there are definitely resources where you can go. Well, we'll lift one, lift one in the show notes. Yeah, For absolutely. this episode. Absolutely. And this is the end of the episode. Did he do it? Dale yes. was convicted. Did he do it? Yes. Are you just thinking that because of the jokes? 
No, because of the DV history and if it's a, it's not a zebra would be a bank robber. <laughs> this is a horse. Can I ask you another question? Yeah. Was Dale the bank robber? <laughs> because his buffalo photo business wasn't going that well. Yeah. Was it Ron? Was it It was a Cindy. Was it Ron and Cindy? Yeah, maybe. We don't know who did the bank robbery. Bonnie and Clyde. They're yeah. running to Florida. They're yeah. not moving to Florida. They're on the run. Yeah, exactly. They got an influx of cash and yeah. they bought a boat. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Do you have B-roll Bonanza? So much snow, just close-ups of snow. It almost looked like gems. It didn't even look like snow. Yeah, it really and did. dancing. So much dancing. A lot of dancing. We also got quick foot shots. Yes. Which was interesting. Skiing footage. Mm-hmm. Lots of that. People doing fancy things on skis. Robert the lawyer walking very slow from the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Also not in a jacket because it's hot. Yeah, we'll get to fashion police. Oh, the ballroom friend is doing something. I forgot. I didn't only wrote part of it. Jennifer is walking in the woods. Yes, I liked that. Jennifer's also in the sunset. You get to see that. She's gorgeous- forest bathing. The golden hour yeah, light on her face. Mm-hmm. There's also sunflowers in Jennifer's interview. Do we think that that might have been her favorite flower? Maybe. Stephanie's favorite I flower. I always think there's a symbol there. Yeah. There were so many that it made me think that it was. Mm-hmm. How are we getting so much Dale B-roll? What is he doing in his B-roll? Are you kidding? Yeah. He's like no. out with Keith on a balcony. How is that happening? I don't know. How is he in just like a black button down? Well, was this done before the trial? Was the interview He talks done? about the trial. He talks about the verdict of you just have to breathe. I just didn't bring it up in the recap. Yeah, you're right. Explain. Is it a very lax jail where they just let you take a day trip? What? I'm looking it up and there was like a lot of motions and appeals and things like that. But I think he's still in jail, I think. So I don't understand. I don't know how he's getting. Uh, yeah. He's still in jail in Colorado. He will be eligible for parole something. Don't make me subscribe to read the rest of this article. I won't. I won't. Don't subscribe because you might forget to undo it. Yeah. I'm just curious why he has so much B-roll. He doesn't look like someone who's been in prison for several years. I know. He'll be but eligible I'll... for parole in 2045. So okay. how is he doing all of that? I don't know. I honestly don't know if anyone has an answer. Let us know. We could ask Keith. Okay. I'd be fine with that. I just need to know. I just need an answer. Okay. That would be great. Did you have fashion police on this episode? Yeah. There's some like 90s style when she was met him like and she was a skier and she had like the curly hair with the huge headband on thing. I liked it. It's very Saved by the Bell. Yeah. And the sister is an animal print, which is still on the bingo card. Doesn't happen go. as often as it used to. And the lawyer, his the one that's very sweaty, his shirt collar is so tight and he's wearing a bow tie, which exacerbates the look. I can relate. He needs to not dress like he's a lawyer in South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what a Colorado looks like, but not that. Not that. There we go. Did you have titles? Dancing with the devil. Dancing with the devil's wife. Ooh. I don't know. Who, dan- I don't know. Stephanie's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. I knew that was coming. Buried in, what was that word that Keith used? Not snowball. Cascade. Cascade. Avalanche. An avalanche of secrets. Avalanche of secrets is very good. Snowbank robbers? (laughs) (laughs) That's good. 
calms yeah. down. I just wrote dancing here, which helps me not at all. I like that. Snowbank, that's good. If I come up with a good one, I'm going to have to insert it because I there was some really... There it's was, hard when you do the recap to also do the titles. You're right. When the recap is done, your brain is kaput. You're mm-hmm. like, nope. Two-stepping and two-timing. That's my girl. Two-step, two-time. Yeah. Stepping out. Two-stepping out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And can we get anywhere with Dale? Dale Force Wind. Dale. <laughs> Dale. Diadalical. Okay, no, no, I got nothing. All right. I keep thinking of fine. Dale from King of the Hill, a.k.a. <laughs> Rusty Shackleford. Oh, that's right, Rusty Shackleford. I forgot. Well, that is it for us, folks. We will be back next week with frogging. I'm just kidding. I don't know if we'll be back next week with frogging, but we will be doing frogging this month. We will? Yeah, we're going to have to. Okay. I'm excited. Because we still have a few more weeks of repeats. So we're definitely doing frogging this month. Okay. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this somewhat stuttery recap. No, it was wonderful. No. Anyways, please go and buy your CrimeCon tickets using the code DATE. Check us out on Instagram and on Threads. Facebook, Threads. Date, date, uh, X. I'm not calling it X. I'm not calling it X either. Twitter. Is it called X? Yeah. Hex. <laughs> a hex on you. <laughs> Is he spying? Okay, I can't no, talk about I it. I read Ronan Farrow's article, which I'm including in my What I Watched This Week. Oh, so good. Stay tuned also if you're a Patreon or Supercast member for our Watch Like Nobody's Watching yes. segment. For what we watched this week. Yeah. Yay, and stay tuned also for our Claim to Fame finale. (laughs) Exciting. It's huge. It was great. So exciting. And somebody was right. I'm not going to say who. I'm just going to say it's about time. (laughs) It's about time. I earned this. Yeah. I did nothing. I did nothing for it. I just guessed. All right. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Be your own dancer. Be your own tiny dancer. Dance like nobody's watching. Dance to your own music. Yeah, dance to your own music. Oh, I just thought of something sweet. They should have ended it with that. Now Stephanie is a snow angel. Oh, that might, that's... Okay, I'm going to end it with that. Wow. I'm going to pretend to be Keith. Now Stephanie is a snow angel of her own. Oh, that's beautiful. There we go. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Can we swap denim family photos? Yeah. Okay. I would love that. There's also got to be a name for that because I think a lot of families do jean, do blue We did jean, but then we also have one where the girls are in pink and the boys are in blue, like the same color, like polo shirts at the beach. Oh, boy. Are they all at the beach? Yeah. I think most of them are at the beach. Yeah. Oh, wow. We did not live at the beach, but you would think so. You would not know from these photos. Yeah. That's the point. It's like Instagram for the life you want to have. Uh-huh. I exactly. know I know how this works. Yes. So I don't like the looking into that's way too intimate. I know. Okay. It's like you sit cross legged, like crisscross. Yes, I know, and hold and your hands knees are and touching. do that staring. Yeah, holding hands naked, but not touching. But Stop it, only it. your hands and knees are touching. And Mark, you're naked, but Mark, you're not you're looking no. at each other's eyes, not your privates. And you're in the woods. With your private skin? I feel like you're in the woods. Your you're private skin bathing. revealed. Do you know what forest bathing is? Stop it. Okay, we're done. All right. <laughs>